Do you wish there was a place to reactivate your life and your faith? Sometimes it may feel like you're just going through the motions, and you may wonder if there is maybe more to life than this. Or maybe you know someone who has walked away from the church, who has been hurt by other Christians, or is simply looking for a safe place to explore faith in their search for life's meaning. Discover how to reactivate your faith, your purpose, your passion, your impact in the world, and your church. God doesn't want you to just go through the motions of life. He's got a plan to reactivate you. Good morning, church. So we're continuing our reactivate series. So uh, last week, Pastor Martin started us out with reactivate your faith. And there's kind of two intentions in what we were trying to accomplish with this message series. First is, if you're somebody who, you know, uh, maybe you're new to church and this may be one of your first Sundays, you just started coming in this message series and you feel distant from, you know, disconnected from church or your faith or God, or maybe you've been coming for a little bit while and you're feeling a little bit dry, that the idea of this was to be able to give you both some inspiration, some information, and also some next steps in being able to kind of walk in and reactivating your faith, your life, your uh, interaction with the church and what God is doing. And then the other side of the coin was, you know, also if you've been here for a little while, you know that just in this fall, we launched two services and all through um, September, sorry, all through the summer, we did this all-in message series. It was really this opportunity both to cast the vision of why we were going to two services, why God had been kind of stirring in the leadership's heart, and, and, and leadership, what I mean, just not at the top, I mean all through the church's heart to be able to, to go to two services so that we could be more effectively reaching the city and also kind of, um, you know, ministering to those inside of the church. And so we, we took this leap. And what's interesting is we want want to do this message as well to kind of re-engage what God has kind of been doing. And let me just say this first before we move on is, you know, as a staff and as a team and even as leaders all through the church, you know, once we went to two services, as we got closer to the day, we were getting more and more nervous because, um, I don't know if you know, but when you make big changes in usually in churches, people don't like change. We just don't like change. We like how things are, and we're not, like, we like the idea of things changing that are bad, but when change happens, we just, we resist this. And so as somebody, um, you know, who does different coaching and consulting with other churches, and Martin as well, and Mitch, one of the things that we notice going around, one of these big things is going to two services, because they feel like you're splitting the church in half, you get a lot of resistance, but as we got closer, we weren't sure how it was all going to land and where our teams were at and how we're going to serve this because this was new for us. We were taking a risk as a church. And now that it's done, we're kind of like, it just feels like this is what we've always done. It was almost a little bit unsettling how normal it is. And so we were sitting going like, is there something like is there something underneath the surface that's happening and we don't realize and everybody is revolting, be, revolting? A revolution is going to happen because, you know, like, but nobody's talking about it because we're all good Western Canadian passive aggressives. We talk about it to each other, but not to that person, you know, that type of thing. But the reality is, is no, the more and more we thought about it is, you know what, like, you guys as a church, as our teams, as the people that believe and anchor in the foundation of this, saw this success because of you guys. 
And so we as a team, as leadership and all, again, not just a staff, but are extremely blessed to be a part of church like Gateway. And so first and foremost, I just want to say thank you. Thank you that you invest in our passion about what God is doing in this church. And no matter what crazy idea we throw your guys' way, you catch that vision, you get on board, and we move forward with what God is doing. So can I get an amen for that? Oh, come. I know it's cold outside. I know the roads are terrible, and you're white-knuckling all the way here, and you use all that energy. But come on, can I get an amen for that? See, God is doing some amazing things here, and it really made us think as we were going, this Wednesday was supposed to be our equip, and as we interact with some of our leaders and we were praying about, we realized, you know what, we need to shift the focus for this equip. And so on December 11th, we just decided, you know what, we really need to take pause and celebrate what God is doing in this church and celebrate our teams and saying, you know what, without you guys, none of this would ever happen. And so if you haven't still signed up for Equip, make sure at the end of the service to go to the info desk, sign up for Equip, because it's going to be an amazing Christmas party. We want to take a moment to just celebrate what's going on, and as a family and as teens, be able to just, just to say thank you, and as our, 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 you know, our appreciation for everything you do. So it's going to be an amazing Christmas party. Make sure to sign up at the info desk. So last week, Pastor Martin talked about reactivate your faith. This is really that internal process. And really what he was talking about was personal responsibility, that you can't wait around for some, somebody else to, you know, to, to get you where you need to go. And, and there is this thing, this tension in, in, in the Bible. The Bible isn't scared about tensions, things that don't resolve themselves. But there's this idea that God does a work and we do a work and we need to do this. And so moving from that idea of reactivate your faith Actually, Pastor Martin uh, prepared this message, and he, because he was sick this morning, I'm uh, coming up as the uh, pitch hitter in this, in this opportunity. And so we're looking at taking the next step and saying, reactivate your gifts. Because here's the thing. You know, we look at our faith, and we want to take steps in our faith, but God has given you everything you need to grow and reactivate your faith. And part of that is your gifts. There is this, you know, the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It also says that you are God's great masterpiece. And right after that, he says, before the foundations of time, God gave you tasks. He gave you gifts. So every single one of you in this room, God has gifted. God has created. See, God, God is this creative God. If you look at the beginning of the Bible, he says that he takes the chaos of the world and he brings it to order and creates this beautiful thing. And we're a part of this creation. But what happens sometimes is that either be it by the busyness of life or it be like that we think somebody else is going to fit into where God wants us and our gifts or it could even be fear or a view of yourself that you're like, yeah, but my gifts aren't that special. That we sideline ourselves. That we put ourselves to the bench and we allow for the, uh, the rest of the church to be able to do what God might is calling you to do. Now, I mentioned the summer of the all-in message series, and in, in that message series, I did this illustration about an orchestra, that every part of us has been given an instrument, that we have a place to sit, and as individuals, as individuals, that we can only make a certain amount of noise, and it, is, it, it has a melody, but once we add in every other part of that orchestra, there is this impact. To sit and listen to one person play the clarinet, it's a weird instrument. They play the clarinet by himself. You might be like, yeah, that person's really talented. But when you add a section around them, 
And then the brass and the strings and all of these things, you can have this amazing, beautiful impact of an orchestra that comes in. It's the same thing with the church, that every single one of you has been given a gift. Every single one of you has been tasked. Every single one of you has been skills and has been weaved in a particular way. And when every single one of us does our part, then we're able to do this beautiful music. Or let's flip the script a little bit. Just imagine for a second, you're at an orchestra. They do their first song, their opening song. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And then the conductor says, hey, we're going to try something tonight. And he turns around to everybody in the orchestra. All right, put your instruments down. Everybody get up. Swap to a different seat. Sit down and start playing. Now that beautiful music now has turned into a horrible noise because people are actually doing, playing instruments that they were never meant to play in the first place. See, when we are where God wants us, using the gifts that God has given us, using the skills and walking the path that God has given us, and every one of us is doing that, what an amazing experience that the world can have, an amazing experience sound of music that the world can hear because of that. Or think about it like this. If you're somebody who works out that, you know, if you were to go to the gym and say you were to lift some weights or, you know, and you were to actually tie your arm behind your back. Now, you might actually be able to do this, but imagine only working out one side of your body for the next six months, right? Like, you'd have this huge arm and this little scrawny thing on the other side. It's not that you couldn't work out. It's not even that you couldn't do the workout, but it's going to take 10, 20, 30 times more effort to do it. Or imagine that you're like, I'm going to go on the treadmill, but I'm going to tie my leg up and I'm just going to hobble on this treadmill as it's going along. You're, one, you're going to look completely, utterly ridiculous. The second thing is, is that it doesn't work. But if you release how your body has been organized to do, then you're able to run you're able to do what the body has to do. And we're going to get into that passage in a second. But I say these illustrations because when every single one of us plays our part, we're able to have the impact of that. Now, let's look at a passage that Jesus talks about with talents. Now, he uses the word talents, and in this passage, he truly means money, but, and there can be investment in that in our talents and our resources, but it's also about the gifts, the skills that God has given us. And it says, Playing into your strength. This is what we want to talk about. We want you to play this whole entire message about this idea of playing in your strengths. And look at what Jesus says. says, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a man traveling to a country, to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his, his goods to them. So he's leaving. And he's saying, here, I want you to take this and I want you to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you these things and I'm entrusting you with my gifts and with my goods and my treasures. So to one of them, he gives five talents. To another, two. And to the other, one. Each according to his own ability. So God goes, look, I know what your abilities are. I'm going to give you five. I'm going to give you two. And I'm give you one. Now, sometimes we look at this, well, this person has bigger gifts than us and this person. No, that's not what's happening in this passage. He's saying, I'm trusting you with little. And once I can trust you with much, I can trust you with much. But it's, it's about the road that you're in. Okay, we'll get to that later. To another two and to another one, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. What I think is so interesting about this five and two, sometimes you go, oh yeah, look at the, look at the guy with five. He made ten. He did the, he did the most work. 
But if you actually look at what happens, the guy with the five and the guy with the two did the same amount of work. They both doubled their investment. So they're both faithful in the same way. They doubled their investment with what God gave them based on their ability. Just remember that. Go to the next slide. Oh, they're there. But we, but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord, sorry, the Lord of those servants came and settled the counts with them. So he who had received five talents and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you've, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that? Isn't that the words we want to hear from God? You are faithful over few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. So what God's doing here is like, I gave you something. You were faithful with what I gave you. And because of that, I'm going to bring you to another level. Reactivate your faith through your gifts. You were faithful over the few things, and I will make you rulers over many things. Next slide. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Notice again, the guy with five and the guy with two, it's the same result because they were faithful with what God had given them. And so he said, because you've been faithful with the little I gave you, I'm going to expand that for you. Now I can trust you to go to that next level in the things that you're passionate about, the things that I've wired you for. Because you were faithful and you doubled that investment, I'm going to give you more because I can trust you with more. I'll make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you would be hard on a man. So it would be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gather where you have not gathered. Scattered seed. Next slide. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Man, that's some strong language. I supposedly, I supposedly reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Then you ought to have deposited my money with, a, with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own interest with interest. So take the talent from him. And give, him, give it to him who has ten talents. So what's interesting about this is Jesus in this passage, it, it's this parable and he's being quite harsh because he wants to have almost a shocking statement to shake us out of this thing. He's going, you know what? If you do nothing with what I've given you, you'd be better to give it to somebody else because when I come there, at least there would be interest on it. But better yet, if you were to be faithful with what I've given you, because I built you to do it, you could double that. Your impact would be so much more impactful. So here's the thing. God's kingdom is moving forward. His church will not fail. And even if, as the body of Christ, our arms are tied behind our back, we will still succeed. But if every person were doing their part, the impact we could have could be compounded, doubled, because every person in that orchestra would be doing their part. Now imagine for a second that the first chair in that orchestra and their part of that clarinet was just like, I ain't showing up. Or maybe they sit down and go, I ain't playing. 
Now, the rest of that section could fill in the holes, but the reality is it's not going to be the same thing if not every person a part of that orchestra were doing their part. The Bible says that, you know, that we're like, and we're getting this verse in a second, but different parts of the body. And imagine doing life with your eyes blindfolded or your arm tied behind your back. It's not that you can't get through life. It's not that the church won't still be effective but how much more effective it could be if we were to do our part. So let me ask this question. What happens when we don't walk in the gifts that we're tailored for? See, if, you're not, if we're not playing the part that we were designed to do, it could look a lot like this. If we go to the slide with King David. Maybe you know this story already, this, the story of, of David and Goliath, but let me give you a little bit of history, a real crash course on this. David was the youngest of many sons, and he was going to be, he's anointed to be king, but he's not king yet. Now, David was a shepherd, and he was one who, you know, would fight off lions and bears, and he would have this opportunity in, in doing this, and he was anointed king, but he was still somebody, because he was the youngest, it kind of was like, oh, David, you're cute, and so, at this point, the Philistines, as the other nations coming, and they're wanting to invade Israel, and they come face to face, and they're going to be, you know, going to be at war with each other. But in the, in the ancient world, there was this thing that they would do. Instead of all this bloodshed between these two armies, they would say, why not we do this instead? Let's take our two greatest warriors, and they'll fight each other. And whoever wins, or sorry, let me do this way, whoever loses, that nation surrenders. Saves all these lives. There's a bloodshed, but here's the thing. They're like, sure, whatever. And the Philistines bring out Goliath. And the Bible says he's like, he's a giant. All the Israelites were looking at him going, no, 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 not me. And they were fearful in this. So David's at home and he's tending to the sheep. And his father says, bring some food to your brothers who are at the battle lines. And he shows up and he gets into the camp and there's just this, this darkness over the entire camp. And he's like, what is going on? So he's talking to his brothers. They're like, well, you know, there's, there's this giant in Goliath and he is, he's talking down the Lord. He's saying that God is useless. He's mocking them. And David is furious. He's furious that one, this giant, this Philistine is mocking the Lord and mocking the nation of Israel. And he's furious that all of these people are, are, are stuck in fear of what God is doing. He says, I will fight him. And they're like, no, 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 David, David, don't like, just go back to tending the sheep. He says, no. I've got experience. How is this giant any different than the bears and the lions that I fought? And not only that, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, who created everything, is on our side. What do I have to fear? And so he brought in front of the king, and the king says, Okay, I'll let you do this, but take my armor. And what's interesting is that, you know, in the, in the picture we see in the Bible, he puts on the armor, and the armor doesn't fit, and he feels like a fool. I doesn't say that in the Bible, but I can only imagine, like, look, I look like an idiot. I can't even move in this. I'm going to walk up and I'm going to get slaughtered because they were trying to put onto him something that, that was never meant for him to fit. He says, no, no, just get, get rid of this armor. Let me do it the way that I know that I am skilled. See, David was proficient with the sling. He was able to, again, fight off lions and bears. Every time I say that, I want to say, oh my. (laughs) Lions and tigers and bears. He says, 
God has brought me through life and the trials of my life and given me the skills to be able to fight the way that he's given me. And also because I know he's on my side, my faith is big enough to realize. And so he goes down to the stream and he picks up some stones. He puts in a sling. He whips it right between the eyes and Goliath goes down dead. And the Israelites win. The Philistines go and they have to surrender and they win because David realized what his gifting were. David realized the fitting and the skills of what God had given him. David knew the lane he was supposed to be in and he believed in God's faith in this. Let me, let me give you a modern illustration of this that as a kid, um, I you know, grew up in a military family. Both my parents were in the Air Force and we traveled all around the world. And so I had the privilege of seeing a lot of different things. And one of these crazy moments as a kid is I actually learned how to ski in the Swiss Alps. And what's kind of freaky about that is they have like a training hill or what we call a bunny hill, which would probably look like a mountain to us in Edmonton, the normal ski hill, right? And so I'm learning how to ski in this and I ain't so good at stopping yet. And I'm coming to the end, and there's this chair left, and right after the chair left, about 10, 20 feet, is a cliff, right? And I'm coming down, and I'm going fast, and I'm like, I, nobody taught me how to stop. And so I'm just like, all I can do is like, well, it's either I bail right now, or I go off the edge of this cliff. And so I just crash, and skis go up in the air, and, and I get back up, and I walk over the edge, and just clouds. And I was like, well, there's the end of my life. And the only thing stopping me at this point is this, like, those orange, you know, netting fence. Like, somebody did not think this through whatsoever. So I learned how to ski in, in the Swiss Alps, and I, I got proficient in that. And we moved back to Canada, and we were a part of... Uh, this uh, youth group and we did this youth rally where we do skiing and snowboarding. Uh, we rent out the ski hill because in, in, up in Cold Lake was about the only ski hill in all of northern Alberta. So all these youth groups would come up and so I thought, you know, I'm going to learn how to snowboard. And so I didn't have any equipment. All the rentals were gone. But my best friend, he had a snowboard and he was going to take a break. He said, hey, just borrow my snowboard and go down the hill. I was like, sweet. Here's the kicker. Uh, my friend's like 6'4", um, size 13 shoe. I'm 5'7". On a good day, size eight shoe, right? The equipment I'm using in this moment does not match what I need to do. I don't have the skill set of doing this. I'm putting on the wrong equipment. Now, here's the thing. I did learn in that moment the basics of how to use a snowboard. But man, did I fall a lot. It took 10, 20, 30 times more effort to even carve. And even in a couple moments, I fell. And because these size, cert, like they're, I mean, they're clown shoes, for goodness sakes, going down this hill actually came off and the snowboard went flying. I'm standing in my socks because I'm using equipment that was never meant for me. So when we think about this idea of reactivating our gifts, we first and foremost need to actually reactivate the gifts that God has given us. So often what we do in, this, in the church and actually outside the church is we do this comparison game. You know, God's given me these gifts, but they're not like their gifts. And the thing is, is that we were never wired. Like, we look at these things and we think to ourselves, like, you know, that person's got the gift of prophecy or teaching or, or leadership or whatever it is, and I've got the gift of service. And that's, you know, like, it's not like them. But the reality is, is God's like, I never meant you to be them. And you know what? Without the gifts of things like the gifts of service... Things like Sunday morning would never happen. This morning, so last night I was chatting with Martin and he was really wanting to be here and we were praying that the flu that he had would pass and he'd be able to, to come and do what he is gifted to do. And I said, well, we need a plan B and we prepped him and I looked at his notes and, and be able to preach this message. But then this morning I started getting other text messages of other people on our teams who are also getting the flu and people are dropping like flies. 
But here's the thing, because we have this amazing team and this amazing church, people started stepping up and the coaches of our different teams started organizing and as they walked up and it's not all falling on me to figure out where everything's going to go on because everybody's doing what they were gifted to do and stepping in and the Sunday morning can still happen, our gateway kids can still happen, our ushers are there, our worship team, all of these things. And here's the thing, if these, these people behind the scenes are not doing what they're doing, you know what, the sermon would never happen, the lights would never get turned on, the gateway kids would never happen. The prayer ministry would never be able to happen because of these type of things. Let me, let me encourage you, if you were here this morning and you're thinking to yourself that, you know, I've got one of the lesser gifts and I'm not like somebody else, let me share a story with you in the Bible. It's the first miracle that Jesus ever did. He turns water into wine. We love debating about if it was wine or not. It's not the point. The point is Jesus turned water into wine. It was his first miracle. But, you know, his mother's pressuring him to do this and he says, okay, I'm going to do this miracle even though it's not my time. And the wine's running out, and he goes, he says to the servants, go and fill those basins full of water. We just glaze over this. It's just like a, well, it's just part of the story, no big deal. But here's the thing. If those servants weren't there, and they didn't do the work to fill these giant basins full of water, that miracle would have never happened. We all play our part. Look at what Paul says in Romans. Look at what Paul says in Romans. He says, Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. Now, again, this could seem like this really, like, it seems like a really harsh word. Well, this is for the people who are prideful. But let me flip it for a second. Yeah, maybe you're thinking you're too high of yourself, but the reality is flip it. Maybe you're thinking you're too lowly of yourself. But he says, no, no, no. Evaluate yourself and measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. Now, so often when we look at faith, this word faith, we think to ourselves, this is a belief thing. This is mustering up enough risk and belief to be able to do something for God and to pray and to see miracles, and that is part of it. But faith, this idea of faith, is actually the fuel, the fuel in our life to propel us to the areas that God has given to us. Faith in our gifts, faith in our talents, faith in who we are, are tied in intimately. So when Paul is talking about faith in this passage, he's talking about all the tools and the tool belt that God has given you to be able to do what God has called you to do. So because when God calls you to something, he's not doing it without giving you the tools that you need to accomplish it. That's what Paul is talking about when he's talking about faith, the faith that God has given you. And look, look what it says right after, proving this point. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function. Amen. Working out with one arm tied behind your back. So it was with Christ's body. We are many parts and one body, and we all belong to each other. We all play our part. We need to know what our part is so we can play that part. So we need to measure ourselves properly. Not about pride or humility, just going, what's my gifts? Where do I fit in all of this so that we can be effective as a body and as an orchestra? Look what Paul continues to say. He continues on. Next slide. In his grace, in God's grace, God has given us different gifts for certain things well. 
See, you are meant to be doing something well, something well, to be playing into your lane, to be doing what God has gifted you to do. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If you gift, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach them well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, before we move on in this about being in your lane, let me just give one caveat in this. If one of these gifts isn't your highest gift, it does not mean that you're off the hook. It's like, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I'd never have to share my faith. I don't have the gift of generosity, so that's somebody else's job to be generous. I don't have the gift of service, so that means that it's somebody else's job to serve. That's not not what Paul is saying here whatsoever, because we're going to talk about that next Sunday, about reactivating your impact. But what Paul's saying is here is like, figure out who you are and do that with all of your strength and your faith. But also know that God wants us to grow as a body. And here's the thing. Let me challenge you with this. So my top giftings are pastoral administration, leadership, words of knowledge, and wisdom. I made a joke this last week, you know, that, that as wisdom, it's like, it's my strongest gift, and I'm also humble. Some of you got that. But here's the thing. I've also been growing as a pastor. One of the biggest reasons, one of the biggest exciting things of coming to Gateway, I was called to Gateway, but as, a, as somebody who, who was very conservative before, coming to Gateway is something that, you know, that lived into like these spiritual experiences. I was excited because I knew that was going to grow me and stretch me as well. And I remember having this conversation with uh, an old, one of our worship pastors from years back going, you know, I want to be prayed over and I want to have this experience and we're talking. And, and he was like, you know, Drake, it doesn't need to be weird. I said, no, 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 Brad, you're misunderstanding me. Like, I want to get prayed over and I want to like levitate. Because with the gifts that I have and the mind that I have and the way that my brain works, I don't want to think myself out of this, explain it away. And as I said that, immediately I knew God said, I'm not doing that. Because you need to trust me. And so my whole entire spiritual journey, I've prayed for people and they've had experiences and, and the spirits have shown up to them and they've had different things. But for me, my journey has just been this trustworthy faithfulness with God and, and walking out in faith in these areas and just trusting that God would work, trusting in him and ultimately having a relationship with him. But here's what's interesting in all that. I say this because as one of my gifts being wisdom and words of knowledge, it can really mess with when God is trying to give me a message, like in discernment. Because then I'm like, wait, because I don't have this kind of tingly feeling in the supernatural side where some people do, I'm, if that just weirded you out, I'm sorry. Um, just, you know, a sense of understanding that God might be trying to say something that I'm not sure, is this a discernment thing? Is this God trying to share a message for somebody else? Does God want me to do something? Or is this wisdom and knowing that this is the right thing to do? And so I've had to journey in understanding of both when is this my wisdom and when is this God? And I've had to iron out some of those details. And this last week, God has really challenged me in that. Because, and it really grown my faith. And I say this as a pastor of over a decade. So when you're on this journey, don't, don't be discouraged. But this last Sunday, we had a healing service, and there were people that were coming up, and they were praying for things, and I just said, you know what, God? You've shown me that I just need to be faithful, and I've been the type of guy that's like, I'll let other people pray, and I'll organize it, because they have this gift and not me. 
And we're at a point where like everybody's got to be on deck. So I'm praying for people and every person I'm praying for, they're like, man, you're praying for my, my arm and it got all, it got hot. And they went from like a 10 to a three. And I was like, you know what? Faith. I believe for when you sit down that chair, that three is going to go to a zero. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I felt in faith. I needed to say that. And that's what happened. And then this last, that, you know, there's a few people on that Sunday and, and they're feeling heat. And, and this, last, um, this last week we were at a prayer retreat and we're praying for friends of ours and a pastor of a, of a bigger church in the city here. And I was thinking, I had this just, this inclination in my heart that, you know, I just want to, I just feel like, you know, they, sorry, they, they got in a car accident and they actually had a, a serious concussion. They couldn't do anything. They weren't allowed to walk around. They weren't allowed to leave their house. They weren't allowed to watch TV. They weren't allowed to watch a podcast. They weren't allowed to do anything. And they were struggling with this, and I just felt like, you know, I really want to pray for this person, but, you know, I, am I just assuming something here? They're part of a bigger church. I, probably like two, three dozen people have prayed for them, but I just had this sense of me, and I just couldn't get rid of it. I'd actually asked our team. They were there as well, and it was actually Pastor Darren, our youth pastor, was like, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? And so I walked up to her husband and said, hey, I don't want to assume anything, but this is what I'm feeling. And then as we unpacked, we realized that she was praying the same time that I was getting this inclination that she was just weeping because she wanted to minister to her team and be in the prayer service that was going to be happening that next day because she, was, she couldn't go into because of her concussion and she wanted to minister to other people. And if I wasn't faithful in that moment, something might have not happened. But because we're faithful, we're praying for them. And I'm not going to give the whole story, but again, I was praying for her, and she said, my whole body just started getting warm. And we had to pray three times, but by the third time, myself, my wife Carmen, and her husband, by the time we did all those things, and there were, there were all little things that were happening in that moment. I, I, I gave you a whole message in what happened in that. But God showed up. She was completely healed of her concussion, was able to go to the service, take her sunglasses off, praise the Lord, and then lay hands on other people for them to be delivered and healed. And so when we want to be able to grow in our gifts and either the ones we're specified in or the the moments that God's like, I want you to be faithful in this moment, you need to actually step in faith in doing this. And so here's the thing. We said all of this, and now you're thinking to yourself, well, how, how, do I, how do I actually do this? Well, guess what? We've got some answers for you. If we go to the slide, next slide, we've got five things. How to evaluate and reactivate your gift. Because here's the thing, you've got that gift. It has been activated because if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit's in you, and he has activated faith in your life, but maybe you need to reactivate it. First thing is this, you need to explore the possibilities. You need to get into the scriptures. You need to look at the different scripture verses that talks about faith and gifts and different things. Educate yourself, understanding what these different gifts are. Maybe you're not sure where to start. You know what? This is not a foolproof thing, but go online and search spiritual gift test, okay? And then you do that test. This is going to indicate exactly that you might have these gifts. We'll, we'll explain how we test those later. But what happens more often than not is when you do these spiritual gift tests, it's the passions that come up, and it's a good place to start. Because what you're passionate about, most likely, will be what you're gifted with. Because God, if he's, going to, if he's going to give you a passion, he's also going to give you the gift to accomplish that. He puts those hand in hand. 
But to be able to test that, you also need to experience many possibilities. If all you're doing is one thing and you're thinking to yourself, where do I start? Just like when you invest, when you go into investments, they don't just put all your money into one area. Usually, I mean, that, that could go up or down and crash and you lose it all. Or you could have, you can go bank and just like make millions. But that has a huge risk in that. But more often than not, what smart investment looks like is you put different areas into different investments. It's called a mutual fund. And it has... It has risk and safety in it as well because you're trying out different things. So when you look at these different gifts, you also need to actually experiment with many of other possibilities. Get on different teams, try different things, pray for people, listen to God, get into different moments where you have different things. And a great way to start, if you're thinking, what might be a first step next Sunday at the end of, this, of each service, where Pastor Lauren is actually going to be doing a gateway tour, a backstage pass of all of our different teams. This is a perfect opportunity for you to experience what's happening in our church. And as those stories are going along and Pastor Lauren is sharing, something might well up and go, oh man, I'm excited about that. I don't know why, but I'm excited about that. And you might go, you know what, I'm going to take that risk. I'm going to sign up for a team. I'm going to start a conversation. Because here's the thing. When you sign up for a team, it doesn't automatically mean that you're there for the rest of your life. You sign in blood. We talk about test driving. We want to have a conversation. We want to pray with you. We want to try out things to figure out where you're gifted. And, and when you find that gift, we want to really feel into you because then you can elevate because where you're gifted is where you're going to be excited. And where you're excited is where you're gifted. God isn't going to ask you to do something you hate. So you need to explore possibilities. You need to experiment with as many as those possibilities. You need to examine your feelings as you're doing something. Are you getting excited? Are you going, man, I hate this? Not, let me be clear, not saying it won't be hard, but God's never going to ask you to do, God might ask you to do something hard because it's going to stretch you, but he's not going to make you do something you hate. Because God already knows the way you're wired. He made you as a masterpiece and he has set things to thing. You just need to actually venture through and figure that out. But as you're walking this out, you're going to get excited about certain things. That's going to attract you. You're going to be more a part of stuff that's going on. And that's going to grow and expound. Evaluate your effectiveness. Because here's the thing. If you're trying a gift, say you've got the gift of encouragement and you're trying to encourage people and nobody's ever encouraged, maybe you don't have the gift of encouragement. You know, I got the gift of leading worship, but you do not know how to play an instrument. It might be like American Idol, but maybe you need a little Simon Cowell and say, you know, maybe you're gifted somewhere else. But you need to try out some of these things. You need to explore some of that stuff, but also you need to expect confirmation from others and going, we see this gifting in you. Ask people who know you as you're venturing through. But the main important part about this is you need to actually walk it out. You can't stand still and go, hope God that gives you something. It's like that whole adage, you can't steer a car that isn't moving. And the last thing is this, if you want to have kind of a leapfrog in in this whole journey, in two weeks, we're actually doing a Holy Spirit encounter, encountering the Holy Spirit. If we go to that, the next slide. So on November 27th at 6.30 p.m., we're holding a Holy Spirit encounter here on site. This is an opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit in new ways, to experience healing and deliverance, to hear his voice, to experience what that feels and looks like so that as you're venturing through, it isn't just your gut instinct trying to figure out other people, but it's the Holy Spirit that's going to direct you in this. And so after the service, you're going to head out into the foyer, you're going to go to that info desk, you're going to sign up for the Holy Spirit encounter, because this could be the cheat code to propel you to the next level. It's that idea of like, work smart, not work hard. Why strive and, and aimlessly walk around in a dark room running into things, 
When if you could be opened up to what God wants to tell you, he can direct you in the same way. But you need to take these steps in doing this. Let me just end with this. We're going to invite out the, the worship team. I can't stress that enough. Make sure you sign up for that. It's going to be amazing. We already sat down and had some exciting things that we want to be able to, to share and release into you guys. But let's just end with this quote. It's from a coach, George Allen. He says, each of us has been put on earth with the ability to do something well. Each of you has been put on this earth to do something well. If you don't believe that, I break that off in the name of Jesus because that is a lie that you believed for too long. Each one of you has been put on this earth with the ability to do something well. And here's the truth. So much wisdom in this. We cheat ourselves in reactivating our faith where God is leading us and the world if we don't use the ability as best we can. Let me read that again. Each of us has been put on this earth with the ability to do something well and we cheat ourselves and the world, the people around us if we don't use that ability the best that we can. So make sure you start taking some steps in discovering your gift, be it through the Holy Spirit encounter, be it joining a team and going to Discover Gateway tour, sorry, the, the, yeah, Discover Gateway tour next Sunday, or simply just coming, signing up for a team, asking those questions, reading your Bible, listening to God. But those are two really easy ways for us to journey with you because we want to journey this life with you. You don't need to do this by yourself. Let us walk with you. Why don't you guys stand? I want to pray over you guys. I want to pray that we can be freed from the lies and the fear that might be holding you back. And that Holy Spirit would guide you. Holy Spirit, that you would just come upon this place. Descend here and now on every single one of us. Whatever is holding us back from taking the step to reactivate our gifts that would just burst open to reactivating our faith is holding us back. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ by his death, resurrection, ascension that those things will be broken off here and now. To know that our arms are not held back. That our feet are free to move. Holy Spirit, just be a nagging in the back of our mind. Do not let us forget this moment that you're trying to do here and now to figure out whatever that next step is and to walk out knowing that how you have gifted us, what you want to do in our lives and how you want to impact that world. Guide us here and now. Reveal to us here and now what your purpose is in our life. Give us that first step. Illuminate it here, right now, here and now. Do it now, Jesus. Do it now, Holy Spirit. Reveal yourself here and now. And we pray that nothing from the gates of hell would stop your purpose happening in this church, in the churches in this city, so that more people would be reached, that they would interact with the love of God. They would discover who they are, and they in turn would experience this amazing love and purpose in their life. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ by his death, resurrection, and ascension. And all of God's people said, Amen.